0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin. And you know what? This is a pretty rare moment. This doesn't happen very often, but I'm kind of annoyed today. And before I tell you why, I want to apologize to my wonderful guest this week, Candace Hughes, because she happened to end up on the episode at the timing that this all happened. Uh, it actually happened uh, after our interview yesterday. Which is wonderful. And I can't wait to share that with you once we get past this little bit of business. But my guest last week, I want to follow up on last week's episode with Sarah because I promote the show on pretty much all the social media outlets that I'm on, whether it be Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of those things. I put a notice out about the show, I post it on YouTube, it goes out to Spotify, Google Play iTunes, Podbean, and my own website. And I always put a picture up of the guests so people kind of know who they are. They have a face to put with the voice. And for some reason, and I don't think that this has happened before, I don't recall it happening. If anything, it was a a little minor thing, but I got these requests with people thinking that she was me to my uh, Instagram account, asking me out on dates, Uh, wanting to know personal information about me and all thinking it was her because they would like the post. And then I would get a message. So-and-so wants to send you a message and then you approve or or decline. And of course I approve because I don't know what the message is going to be. I don't know if they're interested in the show, if they're interested in in something that I do Uh, apart from that, have a question about the guest, whatever it is. But I actually was kind of unnerved and I played along a little bit with these people because I wanted to see what the intention was and it's kind of like every bit of social media is turning into these bullshit Facebook profiles where people are just trying to get you to subscribe to their webcam or pay money for pictures or my favorite. I just happened to be out of the country and for some reason I only bought a one-way ticket and I have no credit card and I need money to get home even though first I told you I was home and now I'm telling you I'm in Africa somewhere even though I live in New York. I've had that happen a couple of times, you know, because I always try to get people to benefit of the doubt. So I've made some rules, at least when it comes to Facebook. If you don't have some kind of bio, something in your about section, if you have three friends and nothing in your about section, you know what? I'm going to call bullshit on your profile. I'm just going to block you because it guarantee it's not real. The first thing people do before they start requesting friends is they want to talk about themselves and let you know who they are. So they fill out the about section. They fill out their whole profile. Then they start requesting friends. So it's pretty obvious on Instagram, on Twitter, you can't always tell. And even on Facebook, you can't always tell because some of them have gotten smart enough to actually fill out some kind of profile, but the ones that you can are obvious. And you just dismiss those pretty quickly. So I had conversations with these people and one of them said something like I- I'm eloquent or something like that. And I'm like, you're looking at a picture How do you know whether I'm eloquent or not? Because I guarantee you did not listen to the podcast. And of course, you know, one of the guys is like, well, send me a picture of you. And I'm like, no. So he sends me a picture of himself. And I just wrote back like, dude, I'm a guy, which he immediately blocked me and then turned around and hit Sarah up on her profile asking, you know, for a date and whatever. And the guy lives in California. She's in Seattle. I'm in Vegas. How is that even going to work? Then another person came along from India hitting on me thinking I was her and wanting a date. I'm like, you you live on the other side of the world. How is that going to happen? How are we going to get together for a drink or get to know each other? I mean, just first of all, don't be an idiot. I mean, that's just stupid. Second of all, some random person contacts you on social media and you're going to be, oh, yeah, I want to go out with you. I mean, just start making sense. Just there's so much wasted effort. I look at the amount of um, just unsolicited emails that I get for, you know, and it's always the same thing. Haskin, I think you would be great in my company, and things like that. Um, Surgeries, uh, Viagra, all these things that just seem to come out of absolutely nowhere, because I'm very careful on the sites that I visit on the internet. And I don't sign up for anything. So obviously, these people are picking me up from somewhere. And there's just so much of that that's wasted. I delete over 50 emails a day that that literally start with Haskin, you would be great in my company. And it's some, you know, either a multi level marketing thing or some other bullshit trying to get my personal information. I just I have such a hard time with how much waste there is wasted effort. If you took that energy and did something positive with it, something to help people or build up the world a little bit, where would we be if people weren't wasting time trying to scam each other? And I know that's never going to go away. That's always going to be here. But it would just be nice to see some of it start going away. The do not call list is pointless. I get at least 35 calls a week and it moves from city to city. Like, I'll get two months of calls from Phoenix, and then I'll get two months of calls from New Jersey, and then two months of calls from Philadelphia. And no matter how many numbers I block, they just keep ping-ponging me to another thing in their, their server list. And, you know, it's it's we're almost halfway through 2019 now. It just seems like we would be better people than this. And what are these guys thinking? they're going to get laid, they're going to get a date, they're going to get some picture of of somebody half naked because they contacted you on social media. It just makes no sense. If you want porn, there's plenty of it out there. Go gravitate to that. So it frustrates me because people are kind enough to take time out of their life to talk to me to share a bit of themselves with you guys and about their history, about their experiences in the business, about who they are, where they've come from, things that you might uh, take as lessons or strategies for uh, your own uh, careers in the entertainment field. And this is the kind of response that I get from some people. And it's certainly been minimal uh, in comparison, but it even happens once and you can't help, I think anybody would get a little defensive of their friends. And everybody that's been on the show is a friend of mine. That's, you know, obviously, those are the people that I'm going to have on the show first are people that I know people I'm comfortable with people that have a good story to tell something I want to help them promote. Like my guest today, Candice has a wonderful new program that she's doing in Arizona that I, I'm very, very excited to share with you guys. In fact, as soon as I saw her post about it, I immediately I contacted her and said, I want to have you on my show. And she graciously accepted and uh, just fit her schedule. So we were able to uh, record very quickly, which I really appreciated. And uh, and she's just got an amazing history in this business. She's done so many things. She's so talented and creative. And then here I deal with these guys that are, you know, uh, just waiting for the send me a, a naked picture of yourself comment. I, I just don't understand. I'm sure that I've said and done things over the course of my life that weren't the most appropriate thing. In fact, I know I have a lot of that was in my youth. This first guy, he had to be in his mid fifties, just judging by the picture. If that's even really him, because he could send a picture of anybody, um, you know, dressed in a tuxedo or suit or whatever it was trying to impress. And uh, I don't know, maybe he's rich. Maybe he's just giving the impression that he's rich. And thinking that this is all going to pan out for him, maybe his experience has been that women just kind of give him whatever he wants. I don't know. Uh, certainly didn't get to know the guy on any level. And as soon as he found out, you know, who I was, then he blocked me and, and went after her. So I, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm not claiming to be perfect, but it just, you know, it, it frustrates me when people aren't respectful of other people. The things that I focus on are things that I, I hope. Build up people, get people excited, get people to try uh, different things, to go after their dreams, to, uh, to find ways to stay calm and happy and relax with the, the music that I do, at least with the mental sauna stuff, um, you know, with, uh, with the books. It's entertainment, but one of them's obviously, you know, here's a, something that might help you in your career. Hopefully a lot of the advice that you guys have heard on the show has helped you in your careers or, or just inspired you to follow your dream. And so that's my point is, let's just inspire each other, support each other, hold each other up, um, you know, give each other ideas, treat each other with respect, and just find ways to do better. So aside from all of that, I'm really excited about today's guest. Candice is fantastic. As I said earlier, Um, I've not had the chance to work with her on anything at this point, but uh, I would love to. She's, she's just so great with her energy and her experience and her creativity and mostly her passion. I mean, even some of the, the, just the short things that she posts you just feel so much energy and passion in those things and uh, and I really love that about her she's somebody that obviously was born to do something in this business and I'm really glad that she found a way to connect with it so let's get past all this and hopefully next week will be better or this week will be better and uh we'll talk to Candace All right ladies and gentlemen let's welcome our special guest this week Candace Hughes Candace how are you today I'm great how are you doing I'm great thank you thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to come visit us My pleasure Scott thanks for asking me I feel honored Oh I'm honored to have you and you know you <laughs> sent me over your uh your short a short version of your history and as I started reading it I'm like wow your amount of work puts me to shame and I thought I was really busy <laughs> And then I went back to the top and it said, this is just the last six years only.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> one of the things I really hate is to be bored. That would, to me, that, that would be the worst thing ever. So I just got to keep myself busy.
0: And a performer has to perform. It's so much in your blood. You just have to get out there and do things. Yes, absolutely. It's all there. More and more myself that I really miss being on stage. and And that's something I'm working towards. And especially here in Vegas, there's a lot of places to do it. Uh, even as a musician, but uh, I definitely understand the craving.
1: Yes, you. It's if it's in your blood and you have to do it, you have to do it.
0: Definitely, and I want to talk. Uh, we'll we'll circle back to it, but I want to talk a little bit about your newest project first. I think it is one of the coolest concepts I've ever heard, and this is totally your baby. So tell us what you're doing.
1: <laughs> well, I've started a new theater company. And the concept with this theater company is it's not based around a location. In some respects, it's like dinner theater in that we go to venues and do it. Um, but it's not particularly dinner theater. It's not murder mystery dinner theater. It's I'm going to um, actually make the shows based on the, the audience and the venue. And I call it go live theater because we go places and we do live theater and i see it as an opportunity to just really meet a need that's out there and so many people that don't get a chance to see theater that i want to bring it there and introduce them to it <clears throat> sorry so the most current the most current thing that i'm starting with one of the first shows we're doing we're doing this for a community that has a lot of children and a lot of young families and i decided that because there's so much popularity with superheroes right now and that seems to be Everyone's all into that, and kids like dressing up like that. And even parents are into cosplay. So, why not take a marriage of all of that and put it out there as a show for families, so they can come, bring their kids, dress up, have fun, and it would actually be musical theater that has a combination of of um, improv, but it's also going to as well have some magic tricks and some other fun things. So it's really a hybrid type show. I call it a cabaret because it is more like a cabaret show. And um, so, yeah, so we're doing that, and we're doing that for families. and i I wanted to do it that way because I felt that it was a way of engaging people that don't typically see theater, finding meeting them where they where their interest already lies, and then maybe getting them in for musical
0: theaters so. And that concept really works. I, I'm not a big oatmeal fan until pumpkin spice oatmeal came out. And I said, well, now I'll have to try it. And then I saw, oh, they have strawberry and they have this and that. And then I started getting into oatmeal. I know that's a completely weird comparison.
1: <laughs> well, no, it's meeting its meeting you at what you like, right? It's teaching right. you to like something you didn't know you liked already.
0: Exactly. Uh, and while I don't think we need every flavor of every product on the market, I get why we have it. Uh, but you mentioned Cabaret now, do you think the connotation of cabaret is more like saloon girls kind of thing, or do you think that 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 really could be taken as a family oriented experience?
1: Well, you know maybe it's not the best choice of title. who knows well, I guess we'll see, but it is what it is it's it's not and i couldn't call it couldn't think of what else to call it because that is kind of what it is. it's that type of show, so it's there are um people that uh, do song and dance and skits,
0: and that that's a cabaret show. So
1: hopefully they'll they'll know us and they'll love that name and they're going to come back and keep coming.
0: I hope so too. And do the, the people that are playing the characters, are they just dressing up in the costume or are they performing as the characters that we know?
1: They're performing in as the characters. I've written the script and I've also written parodies of songs that would be sung by the characters with words that they would say. And I have written um, as well lines, interaction lines between them that have some jokes in them. Um, some of the jokes they're they're not adult jokes at all, but they're the kind of jokes that some only would be gotten by the adults in some cases. Because I want this to be a show where the whole family comes and even the adults think it's funny. So, so yeah, we have so we have scripted lines, but they also have places where they're improving or um, they're coming up with their own ideas of things that they're saying to each other. And they're also interacting with the audience directly. So in that respect, it's like dinner theater in that you involve the audience and you have them do things with you.
0: I like that. I I think it's, uh, you know, and and my last uh, my guest on last week was Sarah Clancy, who's done some of the murder mystery dinner theaters in in Phoenix. And I've gone to some of them and been to the rehearsals. And it's a, it's really an amazing experience to go and see that as a patron and just as somebody who appreciates that kind of art. But I love this idea of doing this as a family experience, as opposed to mom and dad are going to have a night out and they're going to go out to a dinner theater. I like mom and dad and the kids or grandma and grandpa and the kids, that sort of thing.
1: That, yes, that was what I thought would be the most fun is that if you could have a show where they're all interested, it's something that they would all enjoy and I, I really feel like the adults are going to have as much fun as the kids. So that's kind of fun. I'm excited about that. I, I'm excited about it. And I really don't, I, I mean, I, it's one of those things where when you put your mind to something and you think, well, here are the here are the pieces to this puzzle. Here's the situation. Now what's going to fit? And it just seemed like this was the right fit for it. Um, but that's what's cool, I think, about my company is that, or this opportunity with doing this company is that we might be doing this show for, for this location, but we're going to might come up with something totally different for another one, you know? So it's, it's exciting. It's fun to have that opportunity.
0: Do you see this as being, you're going to write, you know, maybe five or six different uh, stories. And then depending on where you go, you'll do one of those different stories, depending on the
1: audience. Yes. I would. I actually love that. Yes. I believe that it has that potential. I believe that we can have different characters So that maybe we can have change out and they have favorite characters that they like and we want to perform for a group, then um, we might have the script that features certain characters that they requested. I think all that's possible. I do. And I also – the other thing, too, is that um, this work is paid work, so the actors that do this are getting paid for this. (laughs) And that's that's another thing. Like with community theater, if you're just doing community theater almost anywhere – very seldom is it paid, and if it is paid, you're paid a fifty dollar gas stipend after three weeks of rehearsals and shows. Right. Um, but this, I actually want them to be paid by the show at a reasonable rate, so that it's worth it. And it's the kind of show since you don't have a set and you don't have a lot of major expense. And if you're writing it yourself, you don't you're not paying a uh, royalty on for someone to write it. Then you actually have the freedom to be able to pay actors better.
0: Right. So, And uh, that's very important. And I think, too, that it's not just about the performances. It's also about all of the rehearsals and table reads and, and, you know, private one on one uh, things because you're talking gas money, you're talking time. Right. Um, Pretty much everybody that you work with, I would imagine most of them have other jobs and they just do this on the side. So it's it's cutting into that time where this really is something that's their passion. I love that you're concerned about that because so many companies aren't. They they just they just hide behind the, well, we can't afford it, which I and, understand. You know,
1: honestly, it's probably really the most, it's truthful. They can't afford it. So with that model, it makes it more complicated. I'm not supporting a building and I'm not supporting a theater company that has to have, you know, you have to pay your rent and your expenses. Right. So that's what's different. And when you have that situation, there's more freedom to be able to pay people and I liked that about dinner theater because I even though the the pay was minimal with dinner theater at least you could expect to make something so if you were doing it as a regular gig on the side there was an income from it and it was it was fun and it was great and and I really did like the fact that with dinner theater you have the ability to improv with the audience and the audience loves it they eat it up sure they enjoy being being part of it. They enjoy the fact that they can say something in the middle of the show and then the the actor will go with it, you know, so that's all fun.
0: And you get a free meal every night because you eat with <laughs> yeah. the audience. Well,
1: yeah, I guess that's possible with some theater theaters for sure.
0: You mentioned the interaction and I find this really interesting because I attended a play here Where it actually started while you were standing in line, some of the cast would come out and interact with you. And then you go into this room and they've basically they've taken this guy and they've captured him for whatever crime they believe he's done. And the Mm -hmm. whole thing becomes a trial. Right. And the audience started participating, just yelling things out, asking questions In the middle of the show. And at first, I thought that these were people that were just planted in the audience to, Mm -hmm. you know, because some of them would sit in the chairs with us, not in the same chair, but, you know, next to us. And I really thought they were plants. But as it turned out, they weren't. They were people that were just so into it and felt such a part of it that they started interacting during the show, which obviously as an actor, that becomes a challenge for you. Because now you have to roll with whatever the audience is doing.
1: Yes, but I think what what's great about it is that when you do it enough and you're used to it, you come up with some brilliant things off the cuff because you're you're used to being an improvisational actor and you know what you know how to handle things, and sometimes the most brilliant lines come from that. So yeah, it's it's fun. It's actually great too to be the performer in a situation where that freedom is there. You want to have. So I've actually done if we're comparing dinner theaters, um, in terms of Uh, the types of performances. I've done various types. One is where it's a totally scripted script and you follow the script all the way through. And it really was a fantastic show. It had become fantastic because they'd been running for at least eight years by the time I got there. And they had worked out so many bits that they've added to it over the years that it was hilarious. I watched it first before I was in it and it was just, it was so much fun. Um, I don't know if it's still going, but it was Mystery Mansion. It was Murder at Greystone Manor really fun show and then I've done it with other companies where it is um the audience will improv or the audience will have a script that they read and they become part of the characters the problem with that is that sometimes they may not have their reading glasses with them and maybe they're not a good reader and so <laughs> you know I mean it the show for the audience may be fun but maybe not if somebody's really not a good reader so that kind of show is kind of okay and then there's the total opposite end of the spectrum with um, Murder Mystery Dinner Theater, where it's all improvisation. Audiences are given um, papers they look at that tell them what their motivation is and what they're trying to do, and they make up their own words. And so they're interacting with each other during the breaks, trying to trying to get their goals achieved as a character. And I thought that was a really interesting way to do it, and it's a lot of fun for the audience. But it's not a funny show, per se, because there's no scripted humor. There's no bits, there's nothing. So I've seen the full gamut of all of it. And um, I kind of prefer the scripted, but scripted with the ability to improv it where you need to and come up with stuff. And I think that way, you know, you've got the humor that it's really there and find ways to interact with the audience where you use them in your bits, but they're not expected to know lines or have objectives or all those things because it can, it can get kind of sidetracked right? when that yeah. happens.
0: Yeah. And I would imagine as an actor, that's the most exciting too, because it's not doing exactly the same thing every night and it really gives you a chance to build your skills, but you've got to be on your toes all the time. Yeah, you do. You do.
1: But yeah. So, I mean, that's really fun. And there's a, there's a lot of credibility that I don't think the typical theater world gives because they look down their nose at it. It's just dinner <laughs> theater. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, but if you do it and you've done it, you—it's kind of like something that gets in your blood, and it's just—it's addictive. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm.
0: I can see that, and I—I I don't know why people look down their nose at dinner theater because acting is acting, you know. It really is. It, it really is. Yeah, you're—you're you're creating yeah. a character. You're creating maybe a backstory in your head. You're acting yeah. out. You're responding to. I would say it's probably harder than theater because there is that interaction.
1: It's—it's it's actually. Would I say it's harder? Yeah, there's there are things about it. I'll tell you what. One of the things that makes it harder is that you have to be skilled at being really big without being ridiculous. And not everyone can do that. Not everyone not every actor has the skill at coming across as fun and big. You know, because you can easily be so over the top that people just go, oh, that was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen.
0: Right. And it comes
1: across stupid. Mm-hmm. So there's a fine line, and there's a skill to it. Um, and it, and it obviously as an actor, you know, if you're, I'm doing regular theater, I'm not working at a dinner theater type of performance. So you gauge your the level of your over the topness, shall I call it, to the type of show that you're in. And that's a skill that as an actor you have to learn. You have to learn where, if you're, are you film level? Because film level is totally different. Are you theater level? And if you are theater level, what type of theater is it? Is it uh, musical comedy, which is going to be at a different type than it would be for a drama? Or is it maybe farce comedy, which is another level, totally different than it's going to be drama or even musical theater? Or is it dinner theater? And that is even bigger. So there's different levels that actors have to become really good at in order to be versatile and work.
0: And, yeah. and then I would imagine the ones that give you the most freedom on stage would be comedy. It's like even, even in theater setting. You think that, huh? I do. I, because drama yeah. usually is pretty much set as this is the story we're telling. I would imagine mm-hmm. there's some element of free, depending on the director, of course, mm-hmm. but I would think that comedy would give you the most ability to roll with what's happening and the audience reaction.
1: You know, it there's a real skill and, and what you brought up is, definitely a part of why the audience is a big factor and that's the reason I love live performances Uh, film is fantastic and I do that too but I love live performances because the audience is an integral part of it it's the reaction of the audience that the, uh, the actor has to feel and sense not not letting the audience aware that they feel it but feel it to the sense that they're they're speaking at the right moment. They're not speaking over the laughter or the clapping. Um, they're And they're pausing at the right place, but not making too many pauses where the show starts to drag. But they're letting the humor hit and giving it its space that it needs with the right timing. And we always say, you know, comedy, that timing is the thing. It's the most important thing. And that's very true. I also think it's true with drama. Um, it's true with every show, really. In any, any, any genre that you're in, timing is going to be critical, And part of that timing is, is sensing the audience. And when I'm directing, I think I have this third eye, kind of that I'm imagining myself as the audience member, and how does this make me feel? And is it hitting home? And is it believable? And is, it, is this person um, delivering this in such a way that I get the joke? Is it clear? And am I having? Do I have a moment to react where I can laugh? And where does that go? Where do the where do those pauses go? So, that's where I think the director is critical for comedy is they have to really listen carefully and coach the actors. If they need it, they may not. But if they do, coach them how to let the audience absorb it and and deliver it in such a fashion that it's clear and funny. Um, so yeah.
0: And and not only that, but how to play off of their whoever they're on stage with at that moment, too, because if yes. the other person's a little bit fast, then they might want to try and slow them down yes. a little bit and get that pace back.
1: Yes. Oh, and that, you OK. You just brought up the whole. Yeah, that's a whole nother thing. So how actors listen to each other or don't listen to each other will affect the show completely. Um, and if if you have really good actors, good actors are the kind of actors that give. They they give the right space. They give the right reaction. They give um, the knowledge of this of the importance of the person on stage with them, so that the audience feels like they're all in on one big thing together. It's all one big joke together. They're all inside of this situation, and they're part of it. And that these actors are really and truly feeling this with each other. They're really um, receiving and giving um, what's supposed to be being expressed by the script. So I know I'm talking too, probably way too ethereal right now. No, but... not
0: at all. No, it's, it's very relevant. And, and I think it's a good point because especially if you're, if you're new, if it's some of your earlier experiences on stage, I've noticed yeah. that, that actors tend to rush their dialogue because, when they're nervous. Mm-hmm. And so to have that understanding of, I need to slow this down because we're losing the audience or they're not, while they're reacting, we're giving the next line and they're not hearing it because right. they're laughing or, or
1: right. Know. and and the most, I think the, the biggest mistake people make when they're either they're green or I don't know, it can happen too when you're in a show and it's the hundredth time you've done it <laughs> and you're tired of the show yeah. or it's the very beginning, but what can happen is you stop listening. And stop hearing, and now you're spouting lines, or you're trying to remember what's your next line. One of the two. It's either oh, it's I don't remember my line. What is it? Oh, oh yeah, and then you say my oh, line. Or God, I've heard this a hundred times, and oh yeah, here's my next line. And they're and they're just saying lines. They're not feeling it.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah.
0: If you're playing off of your memory and you're not in the moment, the chances Mm -hmm. are is your audience members are not feeling whatever your character's trying to express anyway.
1: Yes. And you're losing them.
0: That's not going to help.
1: Yes. And really the whole experience is about the audience. It is about how do they feel at any given moment? And are they feeling what they should be feeling for the play? Are we expressing it in a way that we're, we're pulling the audience along this roller coaster ride? Sometimes they're up, sometimes they're down. And at the end, when they get done, they feel satisfied that they really, really went with it. That's the experience an audience should have when they're watching a show. And I, as an actor or I, as a director, owe that to them.
0: I like that. I, I think that's a great perspective to come from because they've paid their money or they've taken their yes. time or both. And yes. they're going to come in and say, All right, I'm going to take this section of my life, the next two hours, give yes. it to you, and your job is to make it worth it.
1: Yes, exactly. And if we really, if we really find that we enjoy that, that's, I think that's the secret for me is that I enjoy giving people an experience. When they walk away feeling something, I feel fulfilled. So for me, Doing that and, and finding a way to adapt my behavior to achieve that is very fulfilling and very fun and, um, and exciting. Um, it's really, it's like climbing in a mountain every time because it's a different mountain or a new adventure every show you do. So you always have a new challenge in front of you to achieve the type of performance that allows the audience to really enjoy it.
0: Yeah, to really I like feel that. it. I yeah. like that. Now, speaking along this same uh, concept, how does it change when you're doing a musical?
1: <laughs> well, lots of things. Um, for one, especially if I'm directing a musical, I love directing musicals because I love choreography. I'm, my background is a dancer, so done lots of choreography. Um, and I think growing up, I, I didn't really see a lot of musicals, so I didn't know how much fun they would be. I just loved dancing. And when I finally realized that, oh gosh, this is great. you can you can have a great show, great dance numbers, and entertain the audience all in one. it was a great marriage for me. But the difference for me, if I'm directing a show that is a musical, is to not only find the great entertainment of dance, but to find, the the scenes between, which are often very minimal in with the musical, it's a few lines just to justify a song. But help to find the meaning in those few lines so that when the actors are talking to each other, you really feel there's a story there. You know, you really hear, you see, and you feel this is the story that really does justify that song that they're going to sing and the dance they're going to do. Then it becomes just a nice um holistic um show that really, that makes a point. Sure. Some are better than others. Some are, some are not written well.
0: So (laughs) (laughs) that's, that's putting it very politely. (laughs) Uh, But do you, do you think that there's a, an additional challenge for the singers to also keep that same emotion and not dial in the song or just let the performance become, okay, these are the words I have to sing, but to stay in character and do it.
1: I do. I think that it is a challenge for them. And I think that the, the best ones couldn't do it easily but even if they're not really good at it they can be coached they can be helped um, to achieve that so and that that as a director that's what I love to help someone do and it's honestly it's fun for me to help somebody achieve that um, it's exciting I guess I just really get enjoyment out of helping other people and seeing them entertained and so all of those, those things, those factors that are part of my personality make doing this just very fulfilling for me.
0: Right. And if it's not, then what's the point of doing it? Exactly. If, if, why are you
1: doing it? Yeah. think you're going to make some money out of you, may as well forget it. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Well, and <laughs> that's, that's the it. thing. Most, yeah. most, even the successful people in this business will tell you if you're doing this or, or musicians will tell you too, if you're doing this because you want to be rich and famous, you're not <laughs> doing it for the right reason for sure. If you're doing it because you're passionate, that <laughs> passionate can elevate yes. you to that level. Yes. But yes. if you walk in saying I'm doing this because I want to be rich and famous, Right. you exactly. might as well just find something else to do.
1: That's right. And I'll tell you another reason to do it. Here's another reason. People in the theater community or film community, but actors in general are fantastic people. All the artists that, you know, actors, designers, um, directors, all the people that work in this industry are just awesome wonderful people they go out of their way to work hard even though they're not being paid much they adore challenges and achieving um great things and finding new things within themselves that they didn't know were there before and it's just fun to go on that exploration with them every time you do a show it's a it's learning curve about yourself and about life because every show you do could be about a different character and you learn more about the person in that circumstance and how would you feel if you were that person right so yeah it's a and it's people that like that that are all banded together so there's really a strong bond in um and people that do this whether they're doing it for a living or if they're doing it on the side while they work a job
0: and it seems that the people that are doing it Uh, on the side that are just doing it purely for passion are some of the most hardworking people I've ever known. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, It's, it's interesting too, that I think one of the the things that's great about this medium is that as an actor, you can really stretch your, your abilities on every single project that you do, because it is a different character. It is a different story. um, There's a different message, a different type of audience. And yes. it's not like, a, you know, a musician who, OK, I'm in a rock band and we play rock music
1: and we do the same show every night.
0: Right. Yeah. But, but even yeah. doing a rock album after a rock album, there's only so much that you're going to really stretch and grow without right. doing side projects and things. But when you're right. looking at an actor, especially someone yeah. in theater, the characters can be so different from one to another. I don't yes. think there's as much typecasting in theater as there is in film.
1: Probably not. I mean, um, definitely with film, it's how you look. And how you look is what you're gonna play, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not. <laughs> you know, yeah. in theater, though, you have makeup and costumes and you have wigs, and there's so much they can do to change your look, and you're from a distance anyway that yes, you can play the villain one day and the and the heroine and next and 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 play an old lady one day and and a you know teenager another day, maybe, you know, depending on you. but it's very varied and also, that's what keeps it more exciting. And, and as I mentioned before, I hate to be bored. So right. yeah, so <laughs> this is a good fit. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I
0: think you should stick with this. Um, <laughs> okay. It's, Thank it's, you. it's interesting that you mentioned that because just going through your your pictures on Facebook, the, the different looks that you've had from one project to another, it, you're the same person. <laughs> you look the way that you look. But but even a simple, subtle change can make a very big difference in the way that you appear or the way that you yeah. look as a character. Do yeah. you find for yourself, because you're so experienced at this now...
1: Oh, you think? Thank you.
0: That's I, really well, nice. <laughs> you. Well, your resume says you are. and
1: <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm certainly, okay, and you really are nice. I have to tell you, I, I'm very honored that you want me to talk, and I appreciate it. Oh, but yeah. really, uh, the truth is, I am, a, I, I am a local actor in the Phoenix area. I'm not doing anything major anywhere. But to say that that's not important, you realize that it is important, and so do I, because there's people across the whole country that are in my same shoes. That love what they do. They're doing it at a community theater level, or maybe they're doing it at a local um, professional level, but still it's local. And they love what they do. And they're able to make a living at it, or um, at least have a side job at it and enjoy that part of it. And it's a creative outlet. It gives them a way to express that great creativity that they have and to challenge themselves. And it's very valid. And I guess there's so many more of us really than there are of the ones that are on Broadway, you know? And so, and it's, it's wonderful that there's a place and, and a purpose for people that have that creativity and what they can do with it. Absolutely. And,
0: yeah. But I so, but when you. I, when I see, and I've seen you post over the last few years, I've got this project going, I'm working on this. There are people mm-hmm. that do two or three projects a year. You mm-hmm. do a project every other month. I mean, you yeah, really do not allow yourself a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of break away from because you obviously because you love it. But that's why I, I say do. you're so hardworking. And when I actually look at the mm-hmm. list of projects that you've done, when it's just written out, uh, it's incredible <laughs> the amount <laughs> well, of work you. even in the last six years that you've done. But I love that because it shows how passionate and dedicated you are to this. Thank you, thank you. Yeah.
1: I've I've had the time more so that I'm a slightly older now than when I was younger. I, I and I don't know if this would. You know, most people relate to this, but when I was first married, um, I had taken a lot of dance and theater classes, and that was my my major, but I took time out to have little ones and I have five kids. So early on, I was raising my little ones and teaching part-time for ASU and Rio Salado Community College, teaching dance, which kept me busy. It was great, it was a great outlet. Got me away from the kids. Got me talking to adults. We were doing adult <laughs> classes, and I loved it. You're right. But then, you know, as the kids got, they weren't little anymore. I got a chance to get back out there and do some choreography, which really pulled me all back into theater again. And I love it. And I also love the fact that um, it, it was open to me, even though when I went back, my resume wasn't one. It wasn't really long. wasn't really much. But when I went back to it, the theater community really. Um, Yeah, resume matters. But when you get up there and you get on stage and you do your audition, they see what they see. And they judge based on that. So anyone who's out there who is thinking about maybe doing theater and they've been away from it, maybe they're middle-aged and they don't think, well, now how do I do it now? Do it. Don't be afraid because there's always some opportunity out there. And even people who love theater that aren't actors, I mean, you can, there's so much in the tech side that you can do and costuming and hair and makeup and um, volunteering in that respect. It's so fulfilling because you're around people that are fantastic, people that are great, you know, it's fun.
0: And again, it's that's the big difference between film and theater is that in in film, they're going to want to kind of nail down somebody who's reasonably close to that to age, age or yep. if they need or to do something. Book. Yeah. Or we yep. need to have you old in one or two scenes. Um, right. That's fine. But in theater, they're willing to do that. They're willing to right. do the makeup and whatever it It's, it's so much less relevant.
1: I honestly think theater directors are more creative, really. They see what's in front of them and they see the potential. They don't look to see, oh, you don't have the right clothes on today or your hair isn't right. They don't see that. They see, can you act? Can you be believable in the role? And I can make you look like that. <laughs>
0: right. right. That's what they see. But you also mentioned earlier that it's it, there's a distance too between the actor and the yeah. audience in theater Very. versus film, where every freeze yes. frame can be scrutinized to the yeah. Hit.
1: You're you're bigger than life, and you're <laughs> yeah. Yes,
0: yeah. yeah. And I mean, you look at companies like Cinema Sins that will take a film and and just analyze every little bit of it, and they'll point yes. out every mistake they can find. Yeah. Um, it's it's tougher. <laughs> it, it's a tougher venue to be in film because that is, is going to be judged. Um, I think so. Yeah, I do. But given the experience and the, the number of projects that you've worked on, how important do you find costuming to to be, to be get into your character? Is that still an important component for you?
1: Yes, because when you mentioned to me that just subtle changes can make you look different, you look more like a certain character based on what you have on. There's a real science to that in, in terms of the type and the style, but it's also based on your body type. You know, what kind of body type do you have? And is it the right body type for the role? If it's not, how can we camouflage that? Or if it is, how do we accentuate that? So, you're, you know, those the costuming is very critical for how the audience perceives the character, even the colors or how long the hem is or short the hem is. And, um, and it's more critical for the lead characters, obviously, because you see them more. But it's also critical for everyone on stage. You know, even if, like in a musical, if you're doing the costuming, you're going to want the director's vision on what the color scheme should be for that particular number so that what you're putting up there has a nice palette that matches with the director's vision for that, for the whole show, as well as for that number.
0: So it's critical. In addition to that, never underestimate the power of lighting.
1: Right. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: As a director... Do you, do you try and, and do a minimal number of lights with more scenes in them? Or do you just do whatever needs to be done to make that play work?
1: Well, what you're limited by really is by what the facility has. So based on what you have to work with, you have to just work around what works. And if you have a facility that's got full lighting and you've got all the, you know, everything, including trees and, and um, everything, even from the ceiling or spots, you have the full ability, and those are important, I think, for musicals, especially follow spots. Um, but if you've got all that available to you, then you can envision in your head, okay, what should this look like? And I've seen so much, so many shows, and I've I always note the lighting to see what I think, you know, what I what I would do in certain circumstances. And I really respect people who know how to create a mood with the lighting, um, whether they're using uh, gels or um, depending on um, you know depending on how they how they light the stage or light the floor even it can really make a difference so lighting is very critical and yes it's it's like and it's like one of the actors in the show it's an important component
0: it really is because just like your background your your set design everything it sets such a tone it tells the audience how to feel to an yes. extent
1: yes it does
0: I would imagine that's going to be a challenge with this new show that you're doing with go live theater, because you're not in one place.
1: And that's why, that is why it's a cabaret. That is exactly why it's a cabaret. Cabaret is not, um, it's not something that you have a lot of tech with. It is, it's actors singing and dancing for you with maybe some on lights. you know, it's not, it's not about the tech. It's not about the set or the props. It's about the actors entertaining you. It's a challenge when you don't have all that to fall back on, because you know sometimes that can actually be that extra entertainment factor that you want. But if you haven't got that, you better make sure your show's good, and the costumes are great, <laughs>
0: right. Know? yeah, so
1: yeah, so that's the goal with the and that's also based on the fact that the venue itself does not have lighting and it doesn't have sound. It doesn't have really all those wonderful things. So what could I do in that in that venue that would be fun? and be appropriate and not cost a million dollars to have to make a bunch of rentals to make it work. So yes. And that's, that's why I called it a cabaret so people would realize it's not, it's not a tech show. It's simply, it's just fun songs, dance, etc. Um, I'll have some basic lighting, but it's not going to, it's not going to have any high tech to it. It's going to be
0: real simple. And I think plus when, when people realize it is a theater on the go, right. Their expectation yeah. won't be that it's going to be a big grandiose house show.
1: Right, exactly. Well they, they also probably know that because we're doing it at a facility in a um homeowners association in South Gilbert. It's a beautiful place. I mean it's amazing and they've got twenty-two thousand residents. So it's like a small city. It's like my the Chandler that I grew up in, it's the same size, so it's huge. And but they're used to doing things there. So they're they're gonna come there knowing pretty much what to expect because they've been things there at that location. Now they have another location, right? So even though that's my first show and I did that, I did that on purpose strategically because I want to get the families and the kids to be aware of us because in the summertime, I have some camps scheduled. So I, uh, when I decided I was going to do this, she said, well, you know, we really want some camps and some educational theater. And I went, oh, all right what would work? So I put out a post on Facebook, and I know so many people in the valley, and I just said, hey, who wants to teach this summer? And I got the response from amazingly talented people across the valley that, that are really high-end and wonderful, that have been teaching for a while. And I've got an improvisation camp. I have a real camp, real camp meaning film role. It will be um, teaching kids how to shoot and edit and put up films, including YouTube videos. So that's one, and then the other one is a play camp where they're going to come and learn scenes from plays and do a performance at the end of the week. So I wanted to engage the families with kids so that they would know about our our, um, camps, and then when I get the word out and they know more about us, hopefully by October, I am co-directing a show. Actually, I'm I'm directing a show, I should say, on the West Side at Stage Left Theater, and I proposed to him. Cody is the as the artistic director out there, and he's really fantastic guy. He's awesome. He and I have very similar mindset about things. And I said, hey, you know, I have this idea. What do you think? What if uh, the show that I'm directing for you, when it closes, what if we took it over to Gilbert, Southeast Valley, and put it up for a week there? How would you feel about that? He goes, wow, that sounds really interesting. And I said, I can help um, rent some of the set, the costumes, the props, so it'll cut down your costs. And that way, it's like a co-production. And he goes, that sounds really great. He goes, I'll even pay for your um, pay for your royalties for that. And I went, wow, wow, this is a deal. This is awesome. Yeah, so I think what's great and what I'm going to find going forward is there's probably a whole lot of um, really forward-thinking artistic directors out there who want their theater to have exposure in a different area of town. So that people go, oh, I didn't know they were so great. I need to go see them. Right. That's a great idea, right? Yeah. So he said yes to this, and I thought, whoa, this is awesome. So my play, once we close it, we'll take it over to South Gilbert, put it up there. I will have a lot of rentals because they have a really big um, facility they call the barn, although it's a beautiful building, but it's got tall ceilings like a barn. So it'll allow us to have the lighting trees and be able to set up a stage and put up a platform for this um, for the stage as well as the backdrop and all that. So, it should be a lot of fun, and we will take it over there, and i'm gonna i all of this is risky, I hate to say, because I'm doing stuff that no one's really doing anywhere, and I don't really have a set audience yet. I mean, these people were so brand new, they don't know who we are yet, barely, and that we're any good yet, so it's risky, but I just feel like that that it will catch on it may take a year, but it will it will catch on. And when the word will get out and then it will start rolling and it'll hopefully pay for itself at some point soon.
0: Well, that's that's definitely the goal. But I think once you get a couple of things under your belt where people have the opportunity to see it. And then, of course, you have things that you can film and then use as advertising for right. your first projects. Right. Uh, I can't imagine that people wouldn't be into it because the right. one thing I didn't like about living in Phoenix was that uh, it, there wasn't a lot to do. Hmm. There didn't seem to be a lot at the time, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of places to go at night and see things. I mean, you could go to the movies. If there was a concert Mm -hmm. in town, great. But there was very little going on. And you've got communities of people. And now, you know, in the last year, what another 80,000 people have moved to Arizona. It's growing. Yeah, Yeah, there's got to be the entertainment as well as the infrastructure. It's not just restaurants and grocery stores.
1: Well, I, I do believe that entertainment has continued to expand. We had some companies that closed when there was the recession, but as many of them have also added back on, I'm part of the Arizona Awards, which is the theater awards in the Valley, and I've watched, I watched it hit the industry, but I've also watched more theaters start developing, growing. We added, I think, three new theaters to the Arizona Awards last year, and there are more that are coming up that will probably be available. So theater is expanding. It's also growing, you know, the boundaries of it are growing so that now we're reaching more of the remote areas. The area that I'm going to hopefully begin it is very underserved and it's it's kind of kind of remote. It well, it's between Queen Creek, which now has a really pretty good theater there, and then Hale Center Theater, which has a great theater as well. So it's uh it's kind of a cross between the two. But I still feel like people don't do theater as what they know, you know, it's their not not their normal choice. So they're gonna go to the movie, or they're going to take their kids out to dinner. But theater hasn't really become one of the choices they look for because one, it's maybe too far away or maybe too expensive because by the time you buy a family four pack at $20 or whatever it is, it gets pretty expensive for young families. So that was the other goal in my mind was to make a price point that people can afford. And if I don't have a lot of overhead, then I can keep the price low as well as pay the actors. That you know, we'll see
0: if that turns out to be true. <laughs> well, I but, certainly hope so. You know, but add to that. The most part. You know, and add to that too, the cost of dinner for mom and dad and two kids. Right. And, you know, right. after they paid for that as well. And then the, the right. tickets it's really expensive to just do anything anymore.
1: Yeah. It is, isn't it? You know. It really is. I mean, yeah.
0: granted, I live in a town where a hamburger is sixteen dollars and the, the coffee is another five. And I mean it's it's a little <laughs> excessive here, but it's yeah. still gotten expensive all the way around.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And multiply that if you have a bunch of little people too.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So, so yeah, that was one of the ideas behind it. But theater is growing. I think it's becoming more accessible. And um, I really hope that the future is what I have noticed is that when I'm doing shows and you look out into the sea of the faces out in the audience, if you get a chance to do that, a lot of them are gray haired. And I I love them. I, you know, because they're supporting us. They're fantastic. But I also know that if we don't also raise up an audience that's younger, at some point, they're going to die out. And who's going to be paying for theater anymore? Who's going to be watching it? Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it can't just be the support of the friends and family of the people that are involved with the show because you're not going to pay for it that way.
1: Right. No, (laughs) no.
0: Yeah. Now, I'm curious to to get your impression on this, because one thing that I've noticed uh, is different from film to theater as well is that in film it seems like everything has to tie up nicely and you have to have a happy ending. That's why people watch films. But it seems in theater you have a lot more freedom to maybe surprise people with a shock ending, which you don't get in film a whole lot. Would you say that that's mm-hmm. true?
1: Um, Between the genre, I I would say it's very true of musicals that they tend to have happy endings, but there are a few that are known for not having happy endings. Um. I don't know that I would say that. Well, gosh, it's, I think it has to do with trying to please an audience. Um, I think it's, it's definitely part of musical theater that they try to have a happy ending for the most part, whereas with drama, not necessarily. So I think it's the genre, really.
0: I think that's one of the reasons I've lost a lot of interest in film is because you once you figure out what the plot is <laughs> and who the characters are, yeah. you can pretty much predict the ending. Right, And if you can predict the ending, who cares? To, to me, the journey isn't important enough right. if I already know how it's going to end. It's like why I don't like prequels. Yeah. But in theater, I kind of feel like you never really, you're not guaranteed that everything's going to end well.
1: Nice.
0: And that makes it more exciting to me because it Good. has that that opportunity for it. Good. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, That's awesome. When you're when you're directing, do you do you try to wear all the hats? Do you also do choreography? Do you also do the writing? Or do you are you able to delegate some of that out to other people to help
1: I love delegating. (laughs) Delegating (laughs) is wonderful. If you've got people to delegate to, it's awesome. I've directed at places that had a built-in team of people that you could say, great, let's get together, let's put our heads together, and we'll plan this together. And that is just ideal. It's wonderful when you have that. Um, Sometimes, though, when you walk into a scenario, it depends on what what they're used to there and what they have. Sometimes you are the person that has to wear all the hats. That's a challenge. I have done it. I feel like I've done it successfully and I've surprised myself um, at what I could do that I didn't know I could do. But um, it's always better to have help if you can. Um, Yeah, I don't prefer to do it all. The most I want to do is direct and choreograph. After that, you know, somebody else really needs to handle um, the costuming and the production and getting all that stuff done. So that's always better. Um, I usually, though, when I direct, I usually do set design. Because I feel like the director has an idea about what they can do and what you know the, how they want the scenes to flow, and if they have the hand in how it's how it's designed, I'm not saying that I would do the technical side, but I would just do the basic um kind of conceptual idea of where things go and what what it should look like, and then somebody else can do the details. but I would want to do that basic because you you know what you can achieve when you do that right. You know, so and yes, I will jump through hoops to make those things happen if I need to. <laughs> of course, like, you so will. we were doing we were doing a double decker boat in a place that didn't have a high enough ceiling for a double decker. So what do you do then? Well, we had these platforms that were only I think 16 inches high, and I said, "Well, let me see what those are made of." Turn them over, you see these aluminum poles in there, and they're 16 inches. I went, "Oh, dude, we could uh, we could cut some aluminum poles a little taller, couldn't we, and like put them in there." And I actually called the company to see, you know, what the dimensions were and how much they would be. And it would have been outrageously expensive to buy it from them. So my husband does metal, so I said, "Hey, can you order this? Can can you make these for me?" And he went, "Yeah." So he we cut them, we made them the right height to do different tiers and levels for the boat, and then put fascia on the front of it. So me knowing that, and I also knew that there was it was for anything goes, and and it's definitely a great tap show. Tap and all kinds of fun stuff in there. And there's this one number that they sing where um, I'm the bottom, you're the top. And I wanted them to be able to go up and downstairs and um, be doing different levels. So I made the set to where we could achieve that number. And I joke because I say I built the set around that number. (laughs) Yeah. I wanted to be able to do that. So, so yes, it's important, I think, for the director to have a hand in the design. And um, yeah, I, I like to do that.
0: I like people that think outside of the box and don't just go, well, This look, the ceiling's only 10 feet tall, so we're right. not going to be able what? to do this. People exactly. that are like, well, let's find a way to do it. If we can't, right. fine, I'll, I'll concede, but let's give it everything we have. That's yeah. Those are the people that make the biggest differences, and I love that you go to that level.
1: I think that you got to think about what you want for the, for the bottom line. The bottom line is that you don't want, for a musical, you don't want just a flat stage with all the numbers on a flat stage. They're all going to look the same. Right. No matter what you do, they're all going to look the same. So if you have different levels where you can start them at one level and bring them to another level, um, or you can change it up, or you can dance people at different levels. So if you have a big cast, some are on the upper platform doing doing movement, some are below, it's going to be more pleasing and it's going to have more impact for the audience to be able to see it that way. So it's really from the audience's perspective... Um, that you want to design it so that the numbers are really going to have more appeal,
0: and it gives everybody a chance to be seen. If you're just right. on a flat surface, the people right. in the back aren't going to be exactly their head, yes. their their hair, or their headpiece yes. or whatever. But that's about it. Yeah.
1: And yeah. so you know that the cast members probably appreciate that too.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, I <laughs> yeah. would think so. Um, yeah. Now I wanted to ask you because I saw uh, one of the things that you do is physical comedy. What, mm-hmm. where is the the line between comedy and physical comedy?
1: Well. In a farce, for example, um, some of the bits they do are actually timed, where so, the way somebody reacts, there may be a one-two-three reaction, or the way they look at each other, or somebody actually um, does a movement that makes somebody else fall, or um, there's a this physical reaction happening on stage where they're doing really big movement. It's almost like fight choreography, but not quite. Physical comedy is reminds me of, for example. Um, Gosh, the name of the guy, I'm trying to remember, um, Dick Van Dyke. So Dick Van Dyke is a really good example of physical comedy. When, if anybody remembers or watched the reruns when he's entering his house and he's jumping around the, uh, the, the sofa ottoman that's on the ground, just that was funny. So physical comedy, if you are a director that has maybe a choreography background, I always want to pick shows that have the potential for physical comedy because the audience loves it. it. It, it, adds so much more pizzazz to the show and it's so much more fun when you do that.
0: And I would imagine, you know, as an actor, you have to be skilled in, okay, the, the object that I was supposed to fall into didn't land right, or exactly. you, you have to be ready to yes. roll with the, the result. Yes.
1: And you have to be able to teach it. So you can have an idea in your head But you have to teach people the timing. There's really counts and timing that go with it. Right. So when you say count one, two, three, four, you do this on five. And so they have to practice it with a beat. So they get the beat because there's a beat to it. It's just like comedy timing. Physical comedy has a comedy timing beat to it. So you teach it like choreography. You teach them the movement and the timing that goes with it.
0: Yeah. I would think that would be a vital component. Otherwise, it, it can look so fake or contrived. And it should look yes. natural.
1: But but here but here's the thing about physical comedy. Sometimes it does look fake and contrived, but it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I, I can't explain that or why that's true. It, and It depends on the show. You, there's some shows you would never do that. Right. But there's other shows that are done at the level where that is the perfect thing you do. That's what you do with that show.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, if it, I would imagine the more of a farce it is, the more you can yeah. get away with. Uh, exactly.
1: And if you and if it is a farce and you give them those bits, and they do them, they really do look like they're accidents, or they really do look like they weren't meant to be, but they were perfect. Um, they're contrived, but you know it had to be choreographed, because there's no way they're going to do that. Right. You know in your, in your mind that had to be choreographed or contrived, but it looks so spontaneous.
0: I kind of felt like that about Three's Company for the first few years. And then after a while, I'm like, okay, how many times is she going to run into you where there's a door? I mean, the the chances of that, you've well overplayed, you know, but you're also talking (laughs) what seven, eight seasons and. Right, right.
1: How long can a joke last,
0: right? Exactly. yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, you know that, you know, that comedy timing is in threes. So basically there's a setup for the joke. There's a second repeat by the third time you expect it. And that's when it's funny. Uh, And if you do it more than that, you do it more than that. mm, Not so funny.
0: Yeah, I've noticed that too with with shows that overplay uh, even just just jokes. You know, just jokes that they'll tell or a reference. Um, if they use the reference a couple of times, it's like, oh, yeah, oh, that's good. And then the second time, you're like, oh, yeah, OK. All right, that's it. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, the third exactly. time. You're like, just stop. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's where you have to have a good director that says, we're not going to do that anymore.
0: Well, yeah. And if you're if you're looking at it from the audience standpoint, um, even upon a first view of the show, you can overplay something very well. But as you're directing it and you see the show over and over and then the scenes within that show over and over and over um, mm-hmm. it's really easy to to burn out on some of that humor.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm sure. Especially when you're the person who's doing the lights or the sound or the whatever, it's like, Oh my God, here they do it again. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. yeah. I remember uh, I was talking on the show last week about one of the 48 hour film challenges I had worked on. And, you know, there's, there's a good 25 to 30 teams that do these. And then when you go to mm-hmm. the showing, they would usually do them at Harkins and you're mm-hmm. sitting there and you're watching film after film and you're hearing the same tagline over and over. Oh. And, and i remember one of them was something like i don't think I, I i don't think you're supposed to do that i think was the tagline that they had to work into mm-hmm. the film and you know right. you see the first film you're like oh that's kind of clever and then the second one you're like all right and by the third one the fourth one the fifth one you're like i don't ever want to hear anyone say this <laughs> line again <laughs> and you've got 25 more films to watch really <laughs> you no know? kidding it 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 is you easy know maybe to, they shouldn't
1: do that at those those film festivals maybe that's not helping it's just hindering
0: well, I think it's it's part of as uh, putting it in the film. It's a good challenge to work in mm-hmm. whatever random line of dialogue, and it prevents people from doing all the writing ahead of time because a lot of times oh, started to do true. that. But yeah. as but when you're viewing them back to back, right? You know it's it's you
1: know, and that you do make a good point. I did. I guess I didn't think about the fact that they're not supposed to write them in advance.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and that, yeah. that a lot of that I think has gone on. Yeah. Um, so before we wrap up, I want to ask you for people that are you know, looking to get into theater, regardless of of the position, is uh, just kind of introducing yourself to a theater company? Is that a good way to get in?
1: Well, I would say to assess your skills carefully. Find out what, I mean, if you've never acted before, take a class. Find out how you do, get some feedback, learn, learn the skill. Um, But the other thought is, if you really can't sing, if you're a good singer and you can move somewhat, You can probably get into a musical in the chorus. And so I I would also say that acting is going to be important. You still should be taking acting lessons, but you could get in sooner if you go into the chorus of a musical. Choose carefully because the musical that you want to do shouldn't be a major dance musical unless you are a dancer. Right. If you are a dancer and you can carry a tune, you can probably get into a dance musical pretty easily because they're always looking for good dancers. If you are not a dancer, then you should just um, become familiar. You talk to your friends that are actors and find out, or your friends at school or wherever. Look it up online. I mean, there's so much info out there. Which musicals are not considered major dance musicals? You can probably get into the chorus of that. And then just see if you like it. And if you really like it and it gets in your blood, which I predict it will, then pursue it. The people you're around will be able to tell you who's reputable in your area, for taking classes, where you can find auditions online, which ones are good, which ones aren't. And there is a lot of there's a lot of people making money, trying to make money off of people. Do your research, do your homework, to know who's actually reputable, that the money they're charging you is worth it because they are known in the industry and they have a reputation and they produce good work. Um, in the Phoenix area, there's quite a few that are really good. Um, and there's some others that... Like there are some agencies that want you to become part of their agency and then take all their classes. And really, they're just trying to get you to come in and take all your money. Right. So if, it's, if you need an agent or want an agent, your agent shouldn't charge you anything. They don't charge you anything. They simply say, yes, they want you. And they might ask you to get headshots. You'll spend money on getting a good headshot, but everyone needs one anyway. And then um, you should also spend money on classes, keeping yourself current. Um, but you can ask around and find out who's good to take from. Um, but you don't need to go to anyone who's soliciting you to learn how to be an actor, take all their classes and spend thousands of dollars. That's a waste of time.
0: Right. Because that just yeah. because they are connected to classes or a teacher doesn't mean that right. that class or teacher is necessarily beneficial.
1: Right. And it's it's probably more of a factory mill. It's kind of a money making thing scheme really for them. So you just have to, you know, weigh weigh it. Read up about them. Talk to people that you know and make sure they're reputable. But don't be afraid. Step out and do something. And if you're already an actor and let's say you haven't worked in a while, um, you can still enroll in a class just to refresh yourself. And when you feel like you've got your sea legs back, then work up some monologues, get them ready for an audition and go and audition. If you're not a singer at all, you want to do straight plays, then have some monologues in your back pocket because they're probably going to expect you to Come in there and wow them with some really good monologues.
0: Yeah. 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 I would think so. It seems like uh, that's a a great starting point to really be able to judge someone because a monologue can really run the gambit of emotions and uh, you can really kind of see someone's versatility and their ability to carry it by themselves.
1: And you want to pick a monologue that has the ability to do that. You want to pick one that has an arc in it so that your character goes from one place to the other if you can. Right. Um, it, with a one minute monologue, it's a bit of a challenge to find good writing that does that, but look for that. And if you can find that, make sure you memorize it. You, you want a comedy, you want drama, so you have both because they'll ask for that. And if you are in a class, they could probably listen to you do your monologue and give you feedback before you go into your audition. Right.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah. And yeah. what would you suggest for somebody that's uh, behind the scenes, like a carpenter or a costumer?
1: Oh gosh! Just show up. <laughs> show up, baby. They'll put you to work and hey, bring your hammer. Yeah. Bring your, you know, bring your measuring tape because you are going to be in the theater. So yeah,
0: just I, show up. I would think even if you're not somebody who's incredibly skilled or at the top of your game, you can still provide some kind of help and you can learn yeah. from you the other people. You can
1: be an usher. Hello. Yeah, right. Seriously. Yeah. And, and in fact. Let's just say you love theater, but you feel like you've passed the ability to really do much there. Maybe you're older. You can go to these big houses and say, hey, I want to be on your volunteer usher team. You get to see theater for free. That's true. And yeah, you see all the great shows in town and you see them for free and you're having a great time. Um, it's it's just a great community to be a part of. And there's so many levels at which people can participate. And their, every skill out there is is necessary and useful. If you're a techie. If you are somebody who likes sound, if you like lights, they'll they'll find a place for you. Um, even if you're just the the operator on the board for the show, and you don't know how to design. That's okay. Say, hey, I'm volunteering to help run, and then they'll teach you that side of it, and and they'll probably welcome you with open arms and say, yay, glad yeah. to have you. You know,
0: theater is is always seemed to me and with the projects that i've been involved in here it's always been a very welcoming family oriented kind of thing it's not yeah well you know you can't help us if you're not a top performer it's it's we can we can use you come help right you know yes and you can learn a lot you can meet people it's a great place to make connections
1: Yes. yes i totally agree the only place i might think it might not be true is california
0: and well, yeah.
1: that's a whole other animal, but in Arizona, I'm sure it's true. In um, Nevada, cause I have a friend who's an actor there and she tells me it is well there.
0: Yeah. I, I guess I should say more localized community yeah. theater, as opposed to, let's say, uh, Broadway, Chicago, LA, right. you know, places where it's, it's a you different know, yeah, level. You don't
1: want to try to start out there. I don't think it's, it's going to be harder. Although there's probably theaters that are operating. They're not, they're they're not looking for you to be in, you know, a, somebody with a, um, mm-hmm equity contract or something there's lots right. of opportunities there
0: yeah so. yeah i would yeah. agree with that well i can't thank you enough for coming on the show um i definitely <laughs> highly encourage and i have a lot of friends in phoenix and in, in the surrounding areas or even you know people in vegas to travel to phoenix for uh, uh, quite often or texas or new mexico um there's a lot of wonderful people that work there, at the yeah. theater there and there's a lot of just passionate people i haven't seen a lot of plays there i saw i've seen a couple Um, Mm -hmm. But I know the passion of the people that are really work hard and and like you do everything that they can to make it a good production and something that you're not going to forget easily. Yes, there are some great people. Absolutely. So I will have the links um, to uh, go live theater and to your Facebook in the show notes. And uh, obviously you you can hear how wonderful and passionate she is. And she's such a sweetheart and so talented. I got to tell you, before we go, there's a pick. I think it was your profile pick at one point. Um, but it was it was you on a stage and you were obviously in the middle of a dance number, your leg was up in the air. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I love this picture because <laughs> the thing I love about it is you just feel that you're doing something that you absolutely love. Like I really feel the <laughs> moment that you're in in that Thank picture. You.
1: Thank you. That's just really, that's really sweet. I, I appreciate that. And yes, when, especially if I get the opportunity to dance in a show, mm-hmm. that is a passion that I've had growing in me since I was like two years old. It's something that to me, dance is an expression of the soul. And um, it really does portray the feelings, it really does, and it gets my feelings definitely. Mm-hmm. So, thank you for saying that. That's really sweet.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's a great picture, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I wish you the best with this. I, I really hope that at least uh, twenty two uh, you said twenty two thousand. So, I hope at least twenty thousand <laughs> show up uh, right. <laughs> for this performance. Uh, and then awesome. as, as you move from one place to another, um, yeah, it's 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 a great idea, and uh, I, I hope it grows quickly.
1: I love, I actually love your podcast too. I think it's a great idea and Thank I wish you. you the best with that. Lots of success because it's fantastic.
0: I really appreciate that. You know, and uh, I, oh, one I, more
1: thing. Yeah. I thought of this, I was hearing about your books, right? Mm-hmm. And some of the lines people were saying in Las Vegas. Yes. I think those lines could be used for improv starters.
0: Oh, you throw
1: it, you pull a line, you pull one of the lines out of a bucket and it gives you the idea for the scene for the improv.
0: Oh, that's brilliant. I Isn't love that. Fun?
1: I think yeah, so. I think it'd be great. And in fact, okay, so one of the groups that I'm working with that I'm going to be bringing in is um, Early Bird Comedy, Early Bird Special Comedy, and they do sketch comedy. And I'm going to suggest that to them because they do a lot of improv as part of their show.
0: Oh, I think that's great. That Thank you yeah. so much for that idea. you know, You're it's I, I, I'm kind of surprised I didn't think of that myself because years ago, uh, a friend of mine uh, who's who's an audio engineer was telling me, if you really want to get good at writing commercial music write Mm -hmm. down every kind of product that you can think of and put them all into a hat and every day just draw one and write a 60 second jingle for that product. (laughs)
1: There you go. Yep.
0: Oh, I love it. Now. Okay. So since you brought up sketch comedy, I'm going to ask you one more question if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. I love improv. Okay. I absolutely Mm -hmm. do. I love people that are good at improv. Like you watch whose line is it anyway? And you're watching guys like Colin mockery who were obviously just born to do that for a living. Yeah. But the one thing I've always found is a letdown with sketch comedy is that they just don't have an ending because they're, they're all improvised. It's like you're going somewhere and then it just ends and you're like, oh, oh, okay, I guess that's that, where would that go. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that's probably true. Maybe for a lot of companies, the, the one that I, the one that I'm speaking of that I, I went to see their show and I have some pieces that I taped, it's even on my Facebook um, their sketches were written by an by a writer who's is a very good playwright, and they all have an ending. So you can write a sketch with an ending, and you rehearse it, and you do it. It just ha- it just depends on who wrote it and if they're any good.
0: I think that's fair. I bet I even yeah. compare it. Like I look at shows like Saturday Night Live, um, uh, what was uh, um, Mad TV, mm-hmm. and I kind of feel the same way about those. And those are pre written by professional writers who <laughs> you know are on major networks. You know,
1: you may have a balance. You know, that may be. I, Ah, yeah, yeah, okay,
0: yeah, and it's just—I I don't know. To me, that a lot of them have just been kind of a letdown. It's like, all right, you're going somewhere, and now we have to go to commercial, so we better end this. And...
1: Oh, yeah, they are limited by that for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, let, but you've got a great idea there. I love that. Feel free. Yeah. I, I absolutely love Thank that you. idea. Yeah, we'll give you credit for oh, sure. Oh, sweet.
1: <laughs> but I really do think that I heard some of those lines. And I went, "Oh my goodness, what really people said that? Wouldn't that be a great scene starter?"
0: Yeah. You know? What do you do with that line? Have you, know? you ever walked a strip here? Yes. Okay. Yes. So you know the the atmosphere. And of course, yes. the later into the night it gets, yes, the <laughs> looser the tongues get. And yes. it just gets more and more interesting from <laughs> so there. Are
1: you saying your favorite time is midnight?
0: <laughs> you know, I, I uh yeah, it's around there. But any time really between I would say seven at night and uh and two in the morning is probably oh, the best. Fun. Yeah. And and the great thing is it's, it's different people. You're, you're just capturing moments. So I could follow the same people for two hours and get every moment, or I could just, you know, whatever I randomly hear. But, uh, but yeah, it's different people. It's different cultures, because Mm -hmm. we have people that come here from all over the world. So something that might make sense to them in their culture, and then you add alcohol to it. Or whatever yeah. substance they happen to have consumed that night. Yeah, uh, there you go. It really makes for some interesting listening.
1: I can imagine. Yeah. So the next time I'm in town in Las Vegas, I'm going to um, hit you up and we're going to go out walking the streets. Sound good?
0: Let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm always up it's for a It's a date. I'm ready. <laughs> I, and I love that I've lived here for four years now and, and it still is not lost on me. I love it just as much as I did when I first moved here.
1: That's an, that You know what? That's a good thing. It is that is an appreciation that has to do with your personality. It's an appreciation factor where you can hear and appreciate around you people and all of the the amazingness that they are. You know, that's good.
0: I like that you phrased it that way instead of you really (laughs) like drunk people or.
1: (laughs) No, No, you like people who are bluntly honest probably which yes. is what it is right yes there's a yeah. lot
0: of that for sure yeah well thank you so much candace for coming on please everyone check out the show links um if you're in the phoenix area or planning on traveling to the phoenix area go check out go live theater it's going to be fantastic
1: thank you
0: take you care take care So I'm sure that you can see what I mean when I talk about how passionate she is and how creative and energetic she is. I mean, definitely born to be in this business, no doubt about that. So thank you for joining me for another episode of the Cast podcast. Of course, I'll be back next week. And in the meantime, if you haven't uh, done so already, please head over to the Facebook page, hit like, and you'll be entered into a drawing where you can win a flash drive of all five mental sauna albums and the beautiful artwork that Kelly has done. Kelly at outside the uh, Hopefully she'll have some time where we can schedule her to come on the show. She's working on another album cover for me for the addicted album. And I'm really excited to uh, get that one done in the meantime. Thanks again for joining me and have a great week, people.